Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. This is a Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Good morning. Great to have you with us on 101 ESPN, where it's 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. With Michelle Smallman, I'm Randy Carricker, getting ready for the Memorial Day weekend. Hope you're doing well, Michelle Smallman. I hope you are doing well. How is it going in Smallman land? It's great, Randy. I mean, we cl- we're closing out another great week of Carricker and Smallman, so that's a positive. And it seems like we may have some definitive news on the sports front, so that's a positive as well. We have uh, a lot of news to get to. We want to tell you what's coming up today, though. It's a, a busy day here on Carriker and Smallman. At the bottom of this hour, we're going to talk to Jay Delsing, and we're going to preview the match on Sunday between Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning and Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady. That'll be fun, and it's a different format. You'll like hearing from Jay about that. Joey Vitale in the 8 o'clock hour. Also in the 8 o'clock hour, we're going to talk to Chef Keith Brockman of the Weber Grilling Academy over at the Galleria. And if you have any questions about your grilling for the holiday weekend, and I do, by the way, <laughs> but if you have any, you can leave us a mic drop with the 101 ESPN app. Just download the free 101 ESPN app and leave us a uh, Rhino Shield mic drop. Any question you have about anything you want to do or have dreamed about doing on your grill weekend, sweet Chef Keith Brockman will be able to answer your question. And he is the guy. He he's, is the expert. Yeah. When Weber teaches people how to grill, he's the guy that teaches. So he knows what he's talking about, knows what he's doing. Evan Drellich of The Athletic will join us, and we'll talk about MLB's possible return at the top of the 9 o'clock hour. And then we're really looking forward to 9.30 when Cardinal Hall of Famer Chris Carpenter will join us to talk about Obviously, the Cardinal Hall of Fame adding two new members later today, but his career, and uh, we'll reminisce a little bit about Michelle's favorite player. He's the best. Last night I spent uh, a significant amount of time watching some Chris Carpenter highlights, and, you know, I just love that Jack Flaherty is kind of taking that baton from Adam Wainwright, from Chris Carpenter, and that we have a pitcher with that intensity and that fire and that competitive nature, because if we didn't, watching those highlights would have really pulled at your heartstrings. But it made me it made me think, wow, this is what Jack Flaherty is ascending to. Did you get a chance to watch? I sent you a video about when he went into the St. Louis Sports Hall of Fame. Yes. I wanted to tell the story about game five against Philadelphia. Yeah, it's really compelling. He's great. Let's start with hockey, though. Pierre Lebrun reporting at The Athletic that the NHL is getting close. Awaiting word, the league is, from the NHLPA, on the latest version of a return-to-play format. The executive board of the NHLPA started meeting last night at 6.00. 
Still voting, and apparently a somewhat contentious vote is being held if and when there's finally an agreement on the 2014 format. And by the way, Don Fear, the executive director of the union, apparently is behind this format. LeBron says his understanding is that the NHL will make an announcement regarding the status of Phase 2, which would not include a return date. We would have the format, but we wouldn't have a date. As long as they're voting and agreeing on something, you know that there's forward momentum. You know that at least we're going to get some sort of definitive news on this, which is a relief because we've been hearing little stories here. We've been hearing news there. We know that they've been having these discussions. The fact that they're actually at the table saying, okay, let's start voting on some of this stuff to put some of this into action is a very positive step. The fact that the union, and it's a pretty strong union led by Don Fear, is having a contentious discussion about this. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I do find it interesting that we're just talking about a return to play here. We aren't talking about the safety issues that Mm -hmm. Major League Baseball is talking about. We aren't talking about money. And in the NHL playoffs, players don't get paid. But we're just talking about the framework of what it would look like once we start playing again. And I I wonder if... I understand that both parties realize that it's not going to be unanimous. There's there's never going to be a situation that's presented where everyone is going to say yes. And I, I wonder what some of the points of contention are. I want I wonder if it's the structure of the 2014 format. I I just I would love to know, and I'm sure we'll get people reporting on it today. What some of the negatives are. Meanwhile, with baseball, we want to start with this because. We're proud of the organization that we are fans of, the Cardinals. Jeff Passan noting on Twitter that as teams around baseball weigh pay cuts, the Minnesota Twins and the St. Louis Cardinals have proven themselves model organizations in how they treat their employees. Both have committed to keeping their full staffs on at full pay through at least to the end of June. Sources tell ESPN there have been a lot of dark moments for team employees this week, especially with Los Angeles Angels organization furloughing a significant portion of their baseball ops staff. How the Twins and Cardinals acted illustrates teams can do right. Shout out to the DeWitt family. Shout out to the Cardinals. You love to see stuff like this. And you know that the Cardinals are a crown jewel franchise and a model organization. And you know that a lot of owners kind of take their cues from Bill DeWitt. And I hope that they look at this and they say, okay, if the Cardinals and the Twins are able to figure out a way to keep their employees paid and employed, then we should figure out something as well. And Michelle, we talk about culture in organizations, not just sports organizations, all the uh, all organizations all the time. Culture is a big thing. And I have have to believe that what a guy like Adam Wainwright sees from the leadership of the Cardinal organization is part of what leads him to make a contribution to help Cardinal minor leaguers get through a situation like this. We laugh about the Cardinal way. People mock the the term the Cardinal way, but it really is all-encompassing of an identity and of a brand and of a culture that exists within the walls of the Cardinals organization. And you're right, it, within any great organization, whatever the culture is, it starts at the top. And the DeWitt set that standard and it permeates down all the way through the players and so forth. So kudos and congratulations to the Cardinals. Now to the MLB situation in regards to returning. According to Evan Drellich, who will join us at the top of the 9 o'clock hour, the Major League Baseball Players Association has delivered its response to Major League baseball's health protocols and that includes notes on testing frequency we heard mike trout say he wanted to have tests every day 
And I don't. I think once he has one, he probably won't. Uh, protocols for positive tests in stadium medical personnel, protections for high-risk players and family, access to pre- and post-game therapies and sanitation protocols. That would probably include hydrotherapy, which is something that mm-hmm. the players had been uh, talking about. Sanitation protocols may, I would think, include taking showers after the games. Right. But at least... We have a dialogue here. A lot of times in a collective bargaining situation, and this is, there is no dialogue. And we've got something here. And I thought it was a smart move by the MLBPA to counter first with the health and safety portion of this negotiation. Because I think in the the court of public opinion, a lot of people were frustrated and upset that this could come down to money. Mm -hmm. And that a lot of players were saying, hey, this is about health and safety. But really, it was about money. So while... I understand that that's probably not really what they're concerned about. It was a good PR move for them to say, hey, let's tackle these health and safety uh, protocols in place first because that's what's most important. And in regards to money, there's an interesting story unfolding. Joel Sherman at the New York Post received an email that was written on March 26th. It was from an MLB lawyer to top league officials that documents the substance of talks between MLB officials and Major League Baseball Players Association officials, two from each side from earlier that morning. The email covers seven points, including that Major League Baseball explained to union officials that the the league, Major League Baseball, would need a second negotiation in regard to salaries if games were played in front of fans to determine pay and claims that union officials, this email does, understood that concept. Thus, Joel Sherman writes, the email seemingly offers evidence that the union was aware that further talks about finances were potentially necessary. So there's I have very conflicting thoughts on this because my first thought is, okay, so what's what's going on with the Players Association? It, you know, something seems fishy here. But then the other part of me thinks this is exactly why they don't trust the owners. Mm-hmm. For you to go out and leak an email yeah. like that to the media does not strengthen the trust that you want the players and the Players Association to have in you that you have their best interests at heart. Right. You have to communicate with each other. And if I'm baseball, I might try to defend myself too because I have Tony Clark sitting there saying, well, on paper, we have an agreement. But there obviously were further negotiations. Lawyers aren't just going to make something up and send it to league officials. There were further verbal negotiations that took place that were notated by the attorneys. And Major League Baseball's Players Association now is saying, no, we have our agreement. And they're completely denying the fact that there was uh, that discussion about the fact that they might have to play without fans, and that might change the economic outlook for everybody. This is just a, a contentious thread that you don't want to see develop when the the rest of the season hangs in the balance, or the, the entire season hangs in the balance. Former Yankee Mark Teixeira of ESPN. It is this is this is the smoking gun that owners uh, wanted to show the fans, and going back to that PR battle. Right now, if this is true, and we have no reason to believe this is a forged document, if this email is true, and Baseball Players Association knew that the owners were going to have to renegotiate salaries in the case that no fans were in the stands, we have a problem because I was told Everybody was told that players had a deal. We had a deal. The owners are now trying to renegotiate that deal. They're trying to take advantage of that. And that's the moral high ground. Listen, whether you're on one side or the other here, if you have a deal, you have a deal. Now it seems like the players knew all along that they were going to have to renegotiate. 
And we need some answers from the Players Association because they are losing that PR battle right now. Yeah, they're losing the PR battle, but I, I want the real battle to play out. And I, and I don't wonder if they're looking at the situation and saying, we don't really care what the fans are thinking right now. We need to get what's best for us. And that's the mindset, I guess, that they should have. But if you're the owners, I understand why you think linking this might put some pressure on on the opposition, if you will. I use that in air quotes to say, OK, shoot, we we've kind of been a little bit exposed here. We need to come up with some something that we are going to give a little bit on and bring it to the table. And while I understand the business mindset from both sides, I understand that both sides are trying to make a deal work that looks best for them. It is really gross for fans who really want sports to come back who are dying for baseball to see some of these things played out in this way. Here's the frustrating thing that I'm, I, I have. The NHL has a committee that's meeting every day, players and owners. It's the Return to Play Committee. Adam Silver is on conference calls with players saying, what do you need? How do we go about coming back? And you don't see any contentious leaks from either side in the NBA. Even the NFL and the NFL and their union don't have a great relationship. But you aren't seeing any real issues, even though they have put together their virtual off-season programs and they have to discuss the idea of playing without fans. Why is it that baseball continually does have to go through the media and they, they can't just get together and negotiate? That's a great question. And you would think if any time in the history of, of baseball that both sides would kind of put some of these weapons down and get to the table and say, okay, let's just, let's come at this from a, a good place on both sides where we can try to make something work, which it does seem like a lot of the other leagues are doing. You think that if any time this would happen, it would happen now. And the fact that it isn't, it's, it's not a positive sign. And here we are, we're in, uh, we are in a venue that, likes contentiousness we we have something to talk about here it gives us something to talk about but from their perspective i don't know why everybody just doesn't get together tony clark and rob manfred and say hey let's just shut up let's not give them this material it's wonderful for talk radio Mm -hmm. but it's it's bad for them it's just a bad look it's a bad pr situation because i think a lot of the the players involved, and I don't mean play. I mean players in yeah. this in this drama. I, people involved, they're very short sighted, and they live in these silos where their lives aren't indicative of what a fan's life is. They they really they can see the things on Twitter, they can see that fans are upset, but a lot of these people don't really have any concept of how a fan feels and how much a fan might want baseball to come back, or the way that the court of public opinion would consume this and how they would perceive the Players Association or the owners. I think they're just focused on getting what is best for them and they're not really thinking about how it could affect the product as a whole. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. It's Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. One year ago right now, (laughs) many of you had not slept the night before because the Blues were on their way to the Stanley Cup Final for the very first time in their history. A retrospective of that night and that morning next on 101 ESPN. And the St. Louis Blues, for the first time in 49 years, have done it. You can bring up the Zamboni. The Blues will go to the Stanley Cup Final and face off against the Boston Bruins. A rematch, 49 years in the making, comes true in St. Louis tonight. That was
Chris Kerber one year ago last night. And uh, first thing I want to know from you, and you can text us, 65780. That's our Air Comfort Service text line. Did you sleep that night? Uh, one year ago right now, had you slept the night before? Michelle Smallman, I think, was... Uh, well, she had to get up to do a show with Bernie at the time, just like you do now. And uh, the energy that you displayed the night of the game, I would have to believe that you probably had trouble getting to sleep. After every one of those Stanley Cup <laughs> playoff games, Randy, I had problems getting to sleep. I, I would roll in sometimes having maybe 30 minutes, an hour of sleep. Because after, well, especially after that game, but after those games, your adrenaline would be so high. Your nerves would be so shot. And if they won, you would stay up all night with excitement. If they lost, you would stay up all night saying, oh, my gosh, am I going to get my heart broken? Uh-huh. So, yeah, I think that a lot of people in the general St. Louis area didn't sleep during that run. A text from the 314 Chill listening to that audio and with maybe what seven or eight minutes left it was we were coming downstairs during Bozak's goal I think we just got into the concourse Michelle said we should go downstairs and uh, celebrate this with the fans so we did we went down to the 100 level right there by section 121 and we were standing uh, in the the end part of that lower bowl just so that we could feel the uh, in, intensity of the fans as we approached winning a Stanley Cup and I don't obviously here a year later I remember it so vividly it's something that I will never forget and I know you feel the same way yeah of course you know being in the press box is great because you have a great vantage point and it's a great place for us to work but that's exactly what it is it's a work environment for those who, who don't know who never been in a press box you can't cheer you can't clap you can't you can't scream all of the things that it is your human nature to do as a fan is prohibited in that space. So Randy and I, being native St. Louisans, being huge Blues fans, I said we gotta get out of here. We There's no way, because I had I had the foresight to know there's no way we're gonna be able to keep this in. I don't know if you remember, I used to stand who, a year prior to that people didn't even know who he was. It was a coach who had to come in halfway through the season. The story was just so perfect, and I know there was a lot of heartbreak that paved the way, but the payoff it was so great, and I wouldn't have had it happen any other way. And you have the chance to hear that game six tonight as we continue play Gloria. The St. Louis Blues run to the cup here on 101 ESPN. Blue Sharks game six, pregame at six, the action at seven. Chris Kerber, Joey Vitale, and Alex Ferrario will have that pregame at six. And it's all brought to you by Mitsubishi Electric. Cooling and heating, they bring you play Gloria. The St. Louis Blues run to the cup here on 101 ESPN. It'll be another weekend of sports. The match, Tiger and Phil, and Tiger joined by Peyton Manning. Phil joined by Tom Brady. They're going to be out on the course on Sunday. We're going to talk to our friend Jay Delsing of Jay Delsing Golf here on 101 ESPN about the match next on 101 ESPN. Sunday morning here on 101 ESPN, you'll be able to hear uh, golf with uh, Jay Delsing. It's actually Jay Delsing Golf, and it's a great show every Sunday morning at 9 here on 101 ESPN. And Jay Delsing, kind enough to join us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line with Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Carricker, and as we approach a second weekend of golf, it's fun golf, but we're approaching golf nonetheless this Memorial Day weekend. We wanted to get Jay on the show. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, guys, and we'll take golf in any form. We'll take sports in any form. My God, I'm going crazy. What's the, uh, so you're going crazy. What's the weirdest thing you have watched during the pandemic? 
sports-wise. Like, have, have you watched any... Uh, I know that my son is staying up late or early, whatever the case may be, to watch the Korean League baseball. He's adopted a team in order to cap from one of the teams. Are you watching anything that out there? I, I saw Randy and Michelle. Can, first of all, congratulations on the new show. You guys make a great team. Um, I, You know what, Randy? I have not. I, I watched a little bit of the Korean baseball, and I'm like, man, I can't get down with this. And so <laughs> I basically turned everything off. That's amazing. That, uh, it's crazy, but I mean, that's why I think I'm going <laughs> more cuckoo than normal. Well, Jay, we're all counting down the minutes, the seconds until we get this epic matchup. So we have Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning, Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady. When you look at the matchups, who do you like individually on each side? Mickelson or Woods or Brady Manning? Who would you choose out of the quarterbacks and out of the professional golfers? Well, you know, Michelle, first of all, it's going to be fun. And the smack, I think... The smack talk is going to be what I'm really most excited about. Um, you never I, 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 this match compared to the one that they had last year, which is Tiger and Phil, just has Tiger's fingerprints all over it. You know, they moved it to his home course, the medalist. Um, he's uh, kind of chosen the announcer, Justin Thomas, is going to announce. He was they had a terrific, real dynamic partnership down at the President's Cup, and so. Uh, I'm looking for Tiger um, over Phil. Um, and Peyton and Tom Brady are, are going to be kind of a toss-up because I, I don't know either one of their golf games very well, but um, anything can happen when you know, you're know you kind of out of your lane, so to speak. And it's going to be television cameras and a lot of attention on them. So it's going to be really interesting. I I don't have a call, really. Um, I feel like Peyton has done a lot more uh, uh, talking than um, than Tom Brady, so maybe Peyton has a little more to lose. Maybe he's a little better, but I don't know. I really don't have a clue on who's going to be better. And, Jay, you mentioned the trash talk, and Tiger and Phil had their match in Vegas a few years ago, and there was discussion, but it really didn't reach that level of trash talk. And I, I've seen Tom Brady was a guest on Peyton Manning's Peyton's Places on ESPN+, and there was trash talk there. I have to believe that maybe Manning especially will incite more trash talk than we'd ordinarily see. Yeah, Randy, for sure. He has definitely stepped up the game from the very beginning. You know, and I think that's going to be, um, uh, yeah, the whole thing's going to be interesting. The best part of this thing for me this time around, you guys, is the charitable aspect. You know, seeing Tiger and Phil, the two best players on the PGA Tour the last 25 years, go play for, what, nine, was it nine million bucks or something? I mean, it just seemed I don't know, more of a cash grab than it needed to be. And this, you know, this is the, this is the right thing, in my opinion, to have uh, the, the folks who need it most making some money off of this, and we get a little bit of entertainment when we need it the most as well. Jay, we know that quarterbacks, starting pitchers, tend to be good golfers. There's some a- athletes in other professional sports that just tend to be able to pick up a club and hit them pretty well. In your opinion, what other sport really lends itself to producing good golfers? Oh, hockey for sure, Michelle. The, the, the fact that <laughs> The fact that these guys do what they do on ice with a moving puck, and I mean, their hand-eye coordination is off the charts, and their lower body uh, motion when you're shooting a slap shot is incredibly similar 
to what you do when you hit a driver where you clear your left side and you're transferring a lot of energy from the ground. They use the ice and, um, and, and get power. And that's why they're such, you know, the, the guys that, that um, can shoot the puck, they have to be able to skate so well because if you lose your, your, your base in any sport, man, you're not going to have any sort of power. And the way that these guys shoot the puck these days, it just is a tribute to what great athletes they are and, and how well they skate. You've played with a ton of athletes. Who's the best hockey player you've ever played with? Oh, gosh, got to be, uh, well, Bernie Federico is my favorite, one of my favorite human beings in the entire world. And, but Brett Hall is um, really good. He, he, uh, he's made it. I had him on the show years ago. We had some, he had some great comments about golf. I had no idea that he loved it to the degree that he loves it. He says he wakes up every day thinking about how he's going to play, where he's going to play, what he's going to shoot. And he's made eight hole-in-ones, you guys. Wow. Eight. Wow. How many have you made? Uh, 20. <laughs> well, oh. But I've played a lot. You know, I've had a lot of opportunities. So, you know, they love averages. You've got to kick in eventually, I you, think. You would think so. I've never, not only have I never had a hole-in-one, Jay, I've never even been with a group where somebody had one. I've never seen a hole-in-one in person. Oh, my gosh, Randy. I'll tell you a crazy story. You know, I have four daughters, and I have seen a lot of good and bad sports in my day with them. But I took my second daughter, Gemma, out. Uh, we were playing at St. Albans, and it's the first time out, and she made a hole-in-one on the fifth hole. And, I mean, the scene of the two of us jumping around, she's like, Dad, I can't believe it went in. I am like, I can't even breathe. I can't believe that happened. <laughs> That's awesome. So she was held back, you guys, on finishing up the rest of the night, and I think it was like she shot like a 72 with a hole-in-one. It was it was very interesting. That's amazing. Hey, Jay, one of the uh, there, there's a couple of cool things. Number one, the format is going to be four ball for the front nine and a modified alternate shot for the back nine. So basically everybody plays uh, on the front and then on the back it'll be the teammates taking turns getting to the green. But on the fifth hole, everybody, it's on a par four, is going to use just one club. If you're using one club for a par four, 410 yards, what club would you take out of your bag? I'd probably take like a, a four or five iron, Randy, because I, you know, growing up as a kid, the way I grew up in North County and I started playing golf with my mom's clubs, I've done just about everything with all sorts of different clubs. And so I would take a four iron out. I could uh, figure out a way to get it somewhere close, if not on the green and two, and then uh, putting with it is really not that hard. So I think they're gonna you're going to figure out probably these guys hit it a little further than I do. So they prob- they're probably going to be in that four, five, or six uh, iron range. Yeah, and then with Tom and, and Peyton, God only knows, man. Put a helmet on and give them whatever <laughs> club they want. That's the direction to go, though. I, I remember reading a book by Tom Watson one time. And he talked about, and just in a very logical sense, he said, if you want to shoot par, play old man golf. And if you're an old man that hits your five iron 150, hit five iron off the tee, hit your second shot 150, now you're all of a sudden uh, 110 yards in, you hit the wedge in, and you set yourself up for a par. And you never have to take a wood out of your bag. You know, really, that makes so much sense, but that's no fun. I know. It's too smart. It's too smart. <laughs> Every once in a while, we got to take that drive out and crash it, even though it might go, you know, sideways. Man, every once in a while, that that one shot just feels so good, and you're like, 
man, I can't wait to do that again. How, how did I, first of all, how the hell did I do it and how do I do it again? <laughs> That's exactly the key. So Sunday's going to be a great golf day. Your show from 8 to 9 here on 101 ESPN. We always look forward to that as we're out and about. And then the tournament, the, the match, starts at 2 on TNT, and it'll be good to see Tiger and Phil and Peyton and Tom uh, playing sports back on live TV again. Oh, my gosh, it, it really was. Did you guys get a chance to catch the TaylorMade Drive for Release? I did. I enjoyed it. I, I really did, too. I thought uh, I would have liked a little more uh, kind of on-course interviews. I thought if Steve Sands could have jumped in there because I would have loved to hear a little more from Ricky and some of the guys. But uh, I thought Rory McIlroy, I've known this for a long time. He is really a cool human being besides being world number one and a great guy. I thought he really... Uh, well, the whole thing uh, turned out well, and I had no idea Matthew Wolf could hit the damn ball so far <laughs> off the cheese. What a weird-looking swing, huh? Yeah, it almost looks like he's having a seizure, Randy, before <laughs> he takes it back. You know, he has that little jump, and it's called a trigger. I've never seen such a dramatic trigger before, but, uh, man, when he hits it, it's just gone. And, and, hey, one other question for you. From the time that you started playing on the PGA Tour, did you ever carry your own bag again? Oh, man, all the time. When I, okay. I used to when, – when, so when I was playing all the time, guys, when I came home, I took off. So I drove carpool. I made lunches. I did everything to hang out with the girls and just try to catch up for some of the lost time. And then when I – went back into it it was like i put my my clubs in a small bag and i i did a lot of fitness stuff but it, there's something about walking the course when you're playing it just gives you such a better feel for the game and unfortunately you know in the u.s especially we've kind of taken all the exercise out of it by golf carts and i ride all the time too i'm guilty of it but man when you can walk and even sometimes have a caddy Oh, it just makes the experience so much better. And some of the caddies where we go just are delightful and have incredible stories about people. I just thought it was interesting that Dustin Johnson was carrying his bag backwards. I was wondering when the last time that he'd, he'd actually <laughs> carried was. So. You know, Randy, when we were in college, that was the cool thing to do. Oh, really? You know, okay. everybody, all the, you know, everybody carried their bag backwards. I didn't know. I, you know, I was just wide-eyed North County kid that went to L.A. I'm like, okay, I'll do whatever you guys are doing. I don't know what the hell I'm doing out here. <laughs> Jay, it's always great to hear your voice, and we want to do this a lot during the course of the summer, especially as golf comes back, and we always love hearing your show here on 101 ESPN. Thanks for taking some time with us today. Anytime, guys. Keep going. you got a great show. Thanks, my man. That's Jay Delsing on 101 ESPN. Next up, We'll have questions for Take It or Leave It. You can get yours in to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Tioli next with Michelle and Randy on 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. This is one of our favorites because you can elicit opinions from us. It's Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Your texts at the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. And with your questions for us, here is Colin Surrey. Colin, take it away. All right, you guys. Here's a story coming out of Peru that could very easily be a story coming out of Florida. <laughs> the mayor of a small town in Peru played dead when police snared him flouting 
lockdown rules to allegedly drink with friends. Mayor Jamie Rolanda Urbina Torres, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. I think it might be Jaime. Jaime. Otherwise, you got it. Well, well done. <laughs> of Tantara hid in a coffin and faked his own death when officers arrived to arrest him. Police, police said, faking your own death to avoid being arrested for a minor crime should absolve you from that minor crime. Take it or leave it. I'm going to leave it. I think if I was the cops, I'd want to arrest you twice as badly as I did before. Come on. Also, you're going to climb in a coffin and then make the cops go to the coffin and stir you up. If I'm a cop, uh, the cop, and I know that he's alive, I'm tasing him. I'm, oh, come you know on, what I mean? Michelle. I'm, I'm be like, oh, you're dead. Well, then I, if I'm tasing you, you should be okay. I'm, I'm totally teaching this guy a lesson. Yeah, I'm totally taking this uh, creativity <laughs> and desire to do something and get away with it. I, I, if I am a police officer, I admire this guy's tenacity in trying to get out of the crime. And I say, hey, if you're going to do this, we're good. Really? Oh, yeah. So you, you're you like, would, respect. It, it, big time. He gets props from me for going in a coffin. Just a claustrophobia nature of it. But then beyond that, the fact that he thinks it's going to work, it's a brilliant plan. It is. It's a brilliant plan. We're going to go with a brilliant plan oh, to and, climb and in a coffin and pretend you're dead. The only problem with it is, is that he wasn't dead. Yeah. But he could have convinced. I don't know if you're a mayor. I don't know if you can really get away with it ultimately. But if you're just a regular guy, it's a pretty good plan. See, if I'm the cop, I'm like, really, Jaime? I don't have time for this. I'm homeschooling my kids. I'm out I'm out here trying to serve and protect. And you, of all people, are breaking the rules. And then you're going to disrespect me and you are going to play dead. I'm tasing you. Well, <laughs> I'm tasing you. Here's the other thing. We don't know these facts. But if the police officers, if he's... If this is their <laughs> boss, that kind of changes things for me a little bit. No, I'm still... T no. If it's my boss, I probably wanted to tase you before, and now yeah. I have an actual reason to do it. If he's the mayor of the town where he got the DWI, then it's a problem. I, I will agree with that. From the 314 on the Air Comfort Service text line, a hole-in-one is the coolest sports achievement you can have as an amateur adult. Oh, as yeah, I'll as an amateur adult? I'm going to take that. <laughs> it's got to be that's between... That's text line worded it. <laughs> it's got to be that and the 300 bowling game. And I would I would go with the hole-in-one. Although there is a lot of luck involved with the hole-in-one. If you get a 300 game of bowling, that's not luck. At the Smallman Open, Randy, the little-known fifth major that is played on <laughs> Father's Day every year between mm -hmm. the Smallman family. Um, my dad, on the final hole, heading down the stretch, we were tied. And my dad got a hole-in-one, last hole, Smallman Open. And it's still, to this day, one of the most exciting sports moments, period, in my life. And so I'm going to have to take it, what our texter said. Because, yeah, if you're if you're an obviously not a professional athlete, the chances of you succeeding at this are relatively small. And if you do it, it's amazing. And I love that it's something that you can brag about forever. forever. You have permanent bragging rights if you got a hole-in-one. Oh, and especially because I know the history and the intensity of the Smallman Open. Oof, that so one will never die. Never die. Three-time reigning champion. You're looking at it. <laughs> Take it or leave it from the 314. Pork steaks are the mandatory meat for Memorial Day. In St. Louis, first of all, I have to leave it. Oh, wow. I did not think because they, they, they aren't 
mandatory for Memorial Day weekend, but at some point during a St. Louis summer, they are mandatory. You must have pork steaks during a weekend of a St. Louis summer. Yeah, of course. I'm going to take it because I'm sitting in St. Louis, and to me, Memorial Day weekend, and I'm sure to most people, is the beginning of summer, mm-hmm. and so if you're in St. Louis, you need to pop open an urban chestnut beer, have a pork steak, maybe work in some toasted wraps. You got you got to, you got to get everything working on Memorial Day weekend. So I'm going to take it. So here's my Memorial Day weekend grilling setup. And by the way, uh, your questions for Chef Keith Brockman from the Weber Grill Academy are welcome. We're going to have him in about an hour, and we'd like to have your mic drops. Any barbecuing or grilling question you have, send us a mic drop with the 101 ESPN app. But tonight. On the Traeger, I'm doing a couple of deep dish pizzas, one pepperoni and one that's going to be spinach and mushroom. And then tomorrow, I've got some steaks and some swordfish to do. Wow. Yeah, that'll be good. And then I'm uh, on Monday, and I, I don't really have plans for Sunday yet. i got to think about that. But then on Monday, it's just going to be pretty simple. Well, it's not totally simple. But the entree part, uh, I've got both hamburgers and turkey burgers. I'm doing a cheddar bacon ranch corn on the cob. What? It's going to be phenomenal. I'm interested. And then homemade ice cream. And then I'm going to do a giant chocolate chip cookie on the Traeger that's going to, with the homemade ice cream. It's going to be pretty cool. Uh, and then uh, we're also going to, I'm going to do some grilled broccoli and, uh, there was, oh, a uh, uh, pasta salad. It's, I, I've got it going this weekend. It's yeah. So party at the Carriker household sounds like. But it seems like this trailer you have is a secret weapon. If you can do pizzas, meat, vegetables, yeah. a, a deep dish cookie, you said. You can do anything. You, wow. You, and the fact that I have the Weber gas grill next to it makes it all the better. Because if I don't have enough room on the Traeger... Uh, and I use the Weber all the time because it's kind of it's just more convenient. Mm-hmm. But uh, the fact that you can have the smoked flavor from each and have different smoked flavors. For example, I'll have a different flavor for the meats on Monday than I will for the vegetables that I have. It really is a convenient setup. It sounds like an awesome setup. It's going to be. Hopefully, it'll be good. We'll see. I still owe you a Traeger cookie. I got to get you one of those. I mean, let's space it out, Randy. I'm still working on the donuts from yesterday, which, oh, yeah. by, which by the way, uh, I need a rev- I have my review. I had the chocolate Entenmann's donut. I was a fan of the classic crumby one, yep. uh, not crummy, crumby. We decided yesterday that chocolate donut was unbelievable. <laughs> it was way better than I thought it would be. I'm Very good. I'm still going to go from a you know. As a child growing up, loving the crumby one, heated 13 seconds in the microwave, that's always going to be number one for me. The chocolate Entenmann's Donut, close number two. Good to hear. Thank you, Colin. Thank you. And thank you very much for the text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Question from the 573. Randy, have you ever had pork burgers? They are great. I don't believe I ever have. So that's something that during the course of this summer that I will absolutely do and I will report because I'll do them on the Traeger and I'll smoke them and uh, I will report back. But I appreciate that little offer of advice asking if I've ever had pork burgers and I'll give it a shot. You should. Coming up next here on 101 ESPN, this is going to be a big weekend for Michelle Smallman. Do you remember the day you last had your hair done? (laughs) No. (laughs) It was a long time ago, Randy. This and more on 101 ESPN. (laughs) That was the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.